What is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. This is Brianna Marie Murray. Uh, she has a birthday coming up. It's like three, four days from now. Um, she's going to be turning 27. Um, and uh, Brianna is uh, was introduced to me from my stepmom. Um, and I, when I first met her, my stepmom was like, oh my gosh, Brianna's so beautiful. She does these fitness competitions. She does bodybuilding. She's really strong. You should look at her Instagram. And then she's trying to like show me all of Brianna's stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, it looks like Brianna stays in pretty good shape. Um, so she was, and still is, genuinely interested in fitness. She does some Arbonne uh, multi-level marketing. We're gonna get into that a little bit. And when she's not in the gym and she's not selling Arbonne, now she is helping people uh, establish a plan for their financial future. So she's doing wealth planning with folks. She's on her way to getting all the certifications necessary so that she can go full-time into that. We're going to talk about uh, her moving around a little bit, kind of figuring out who she is, and uh, her time as a surge tech. So she went to college for a little while, got into surgical tech assisting type Technology. medical stuff, and uh, excited to have her on. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Brianna. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so my... Your stepmom is my great aunt, mm. but she doesn't. She does not look like a great aunt. Mm -hmm. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if she's had anything done. I don't know that she would tell anybody. But anytime I, I like show her off now, I'm like this is my aunt. Like guess how old she is because nobody ever guesses it correctly. <laughs> like I have her genetics. <laughs> I'm gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, something that you and Dakota have in common, too, is that you both love Huskies. Dakota said he eventually mm -hmm. wants a Husky. And outside, Brianna, <laughs> Brianna has got a mini Husky. Hers is only like 20 pounds. Oh, wow. So it's like a little tiny oh, Husky. Is it a mix with a Pomeranian? No. Oh, OK. So they're technically called Alaskan Kleekais. Mm. And at first I was like, that is the most complicated name. Like, why didn't you just name them mini Huskies? And it's because the person who like coined the breed, which is a fairly new breed still, it's only like 20, 30 years old, um, they lived in Alaska. Mm. And they mixed a husky and a shipperkey. No idea what a shipperkey is, but that was the smaller of the, the dogs that made the mini husky. And then Klee Kai means small dog in like Alaskan indigenous. Wow. So after understanding, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But to say something, to say that to somebody on the street, their attention yeah. span is just gone. Yeah, By the time 100%. I like, just call a Pomeranian; it'll be good. No, <laughs> how, how old is Lola? When She'll does be two. So my birthday is July first. Hers is July tenth, and I think that's the coolest thing. She'll be two. This, this, that was a test, and you failed. What? That's how you know that someone's a crazy dog lady. Oh, they, I fully you know own your, it. You know your pet's birthday and everything. Yes, <laughs> Jackie. I'm gonna Jackie have a birthday that. party. Bar Birthday party for her and everything. Yeah, Jackie <laughs> just had her dog's birthday yesterday, so she said that she got him like a steak, yeah. dinner, and all this stuff. And oh, she's also the pickiest eater. Oh, really? Like, I have had the hardest time finding food that she likes. Like, she'll literally, if I try to give her something that she doesn't care for, she'll just like spit it out. Like, well, I've never seen a dog that just doesn't inhale everything that's in front of them. So. Yeah. 
Have you seen her though? No. <laughs> Look at her. Aww. She has a camera. She's getting Where's bigger. Over here. Is it on? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's my little girl. Aww. She's precious. I yeah. gave her a, a bath in the backyard yesterday. She hated that, but. For anybody watching audio, it's a looks like a little baby husky with some bright blue eyes. <laughs> She's precious. So, uh, let's go back. Take us back to uh, what influenced you to go to college? Because I know for me, it was my parents told me that I needed to go to college. I didn't necessarily have a plan when I was 17, and I wasn't like confident in my ability to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So you went to University of St. Francis for surgical technology. What influenced you to do that? Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars, and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below. Buy the course. Oh, so actually, trying to make this not as long-winded as it needs to be, but um, I think when I was about seven years old, my mom went back to school at St. Francis to get her RN degree, and I remember her bringing home her textbooks and like just, I would, of course, I treated it like a picture book. I was only interested in the pictures of like the gory medical stuff and mom, what's this? Tell me about that. So I was like alongside her as she was studying to become a nurse. I mean, she even brought home like a sheep brain for like anatomy dissection. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> um, so my mom and I have a very interesting relationship because she's my mother, of course, but we have like this best friend type of bond too. And looking back, I don't want to say that I went to St. Francis. Originally, I went for nursing. I mean, that's all I talked about in high school. I can't wait to be a nurse one day. And like, that was my dream. Um, so I don't want to say that I went to appease my mom, because if I would have wanted to do something else, she would have been behind me on it. I just thought that's what I really wanted to do. And then um, when I was in college, I had two jobs. I worked at a nursing home down in Bern, Indiana. And then I also worked at Parkview Ortho, like the inpatient unit when patients need to stay over after their total knees and stuff. And I could not stop picking up hours. And I just completely shot myself in the foot. Like, I think I just, I mean, I graduated at a young age. I was only 17 when I graduated. And like you had just mentioned a, a couple minutes ago, like I think it's hard to to really know what you want to do and to be able to take something so seriously at a young age. And I mean, we didn't grow up wealthy, and so a paycheck was a golden ticket for me to have the things I wanted to have. Um, so I think that's why I couldn't turn down the hours at work and really affected my studying. Um, so what was it? You had to get, in one of the nursing courses, it was 79.5 is was like the bare minimum. Um, at a 0.5, they would round you up to an 80%. And I got like a 79.43, like just missed it. 
And it was a huge turning point because while I was in those courses, I mean, not only was I picking up a stupid amount of hours for a college student, but my boyfriend that I was mentioning before we started, um, I remember sitting in class and I was like practicing my name with his last name. And like, (laughs) I would write out like, we're gonna get married this year and like have our first kid here, like just had everything mapped out. So when I didn't make it into the next semester of nursing, him and I also were going through this really rough patch, ended up breaking up. So it was like everything just crumbled. And like, what do I do now? Like, I thought my life was over. And I, as cheesy as it sounds, my life was just beginning. Mm -hmm. So it was a matter of I could either sit out of nursing school for two years or I could pick a different degree. Mm. So, I mean, I medical is just natural to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the age of seven, it just has been in front of me. And then I started at the nursing home when I was 15. Um, So then somebody was like, you know, like surgical technology is an option. And at the time I had planned on, because it's a two-year course, like perfect, I'll do the two years there, have that um, as a backup and then go back for nursing. And then after I started getting into surgical technology, I'm like, this is actually what I like because it's hands-on. It's just more, how do I want to say it? Like an immediate return, immediate like, satisfaction, I guess, Mm -hmm. because with nursing, you're giving patients medication, you're hoping that it works. Mm -hmm. And you might not see that end result where it works for them because hopefully they're discharged within a couple days and they go home to recover, but with surgery, it's like immediate. Like you either fix the broken bone or you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah. How I got started with surgical technology? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, let's talk about, uh, so you talked about basically vision for your life. So you created a vision, which I think uh, a lot of people struggle with even creating a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, like, you know, mapping out your life. I think it's a great thing because then if you don't know where you're going, then it's a little bit more difficult to make decisions. So if you know, okay, I'm going here, I'm, you know, marrying this person, we're going to have this many kids, that's a cool thing because then it's easier to make decisions. All right, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. It's easier to say no to different things. The thing that I find that's hard with it is whenever the the reality doesn't happen to the vision that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had it all mapped out, planned out, and then it, it broke, and then now your life feels like, oh, gosh, do I even really know anything? Is anything certain? Mm-hmm. Um Talk to us about like what you were feeling in that moment and then how you got yourself out of that. And if you think that like, you know, visioning your life and planning it all out like that is a good thing or like any tips that people could use some in order to like maybe, you know, yeah. have some flex. I mean, goals are always great. Um, but that particular situation taught me to, you know, I'm somebody who likes having goals. I mean, who doesn't love like setting a goal for yourself, reaching it and then like patting yourself on the back. But it taught me if those things don't pan out, it's okay. And, Mm. you know, everybody is familiar with mental health now. And I just kind of developed this motto, I guess, or this question to bring me back to self-awareness. Like when everything just seemed so heavy and I felt like my life was falling apart and like, what the hell do I do now? It's almost like I felt like I was dying. And so it's this question that I have like instilled now um, whenever things start to not go my way. It's like, 
okay, but are you going to die? Like, is it really that bad? Or do you just need to shift gears a little bit? Because had I completed nursing school, I don't want to say, like, my life wouldn't have been great. It still would have been. But I'm just so thankful for the way that the course that my life has gone, um, especially in my early 20s. And I think it's almost better that it was completely off track. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that pulled me out of it, this is where bodybuilding comes in, because all of a sudden, the person that I was spending all of my extra time with, we weren't together anymore. Um, I was trying to figure out how to distract myself from, oh my gosh, I'm either not going to become a nurse or I'm going to have to wait to become a nurse. And at the time, two years felt like an eternity, mm-hmm. especially it, it felt embarrassing I felt devastated and embarrassed because there's this have you have you guys heard of the the thinking where if you tell somebody, "Hey, I'm going to do this," you're kind of already your effort has kind of dissipated a little bit. Hmm. You haven't heard of that? No, I it's so funny because I actually just was talking on a podcast uh, that I watched from a while ago, and then uh, I said the exact opposite. Really? <laughs> yeah, because okay. it, I guess it depends on who you are as a person, but when I speak something out loud, I'm that much more likely to do it. So the more mm-hmm. people I tell, I feel like I have to be in integrity with myself. I have to actually do what I say I'm going to do. So the more people I tell, the more likely chance it will happen yeah. for me. Yeah, I've heard it, makes it. Total I've heard sense. it both ways, actually. Yeah. And and I it think depends it's just, on who you are. Yeah. yeah, who you are, what the situation is. Um, my older brother actually was the person like, that introduced this idea to me. Um, and it was because I had tried to do a second bodybuilding show. I had like blown myself out of the water with the first one. Like, oh my gosh, this is, it was truly the first, first major accomplishment I had ever had in my life. And then I was like, this is when like Instagram was like picking up a little bit for me and people were like interested in what I was doing. So I was like posting like, mm-hmm. A countdown for my next show and then I just couldn't get myself out of bed to go do fasted cardio in the morning like mm-hmm. it was almost easier the first time because I didn't even know what the end result was gonna be and then once I knew that I was good at this thing and then I was telling people like I'm gonna compete again I already got that like wow good for you that I didn't get until the end mm-hmm. of the first competition prep does that make sense yeah that's what I was gonna say is I think the difference because um, you know, if you're internally motivated and you're looking at, you know, uh, judgment from other people, like I think it's if you fear judgment from other people rather than um, like embracing the praise of having accomplished something, because yeah. I've seen it both ways where somebody will go like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do this thing. And then everybody will go like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And that's what they were looking for Mm. is the the external gratification rather than being like, hey, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to feel really stupid if I don't end up doing and I'm going to like document the entire process. So it's it's almost like one of those things where uh, it's when you're putting it out there it's almost more motivating from a negative Mm -hmm. than a positive. It's like one of those things that's more motivating by creating this uh, negative consequence if you don't. Or or the negative of like uh, somebody saying that you can't do it. I'm actually way more motivated by when people think that I cannot do something. 
Tell and me so I then, can't, and yeah, I, I will. Exactly. <laughs> so then what you're talking about from another side would be like, hey, I accomplished this thing. I did really well. And then now you have this expectation that you have to do the same thing or win again. And then now it becomes like this pedestal that somebody puts you on. And then now you have to live up to the expectation. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, everybody else doubted you. And then now you get a, all right, hey, like I think about it of a win-win either way. I'm like, all right, I'm already the underdog here. I'm already mm -hmm. like, you know, this is my first time. I'm probably not going to win. So if I do, it's a win. If not, then everybody expected that anyway. Right. Um, but if everybody has that expectation, which is like kind of where we've gotten to now, we're like, you know, whenever I whenever I have problems or anything like that, everybody thinks, oh, you'll you'll figure it out, and that's what they say to me. And I'm like, man, I wish I wish like they didn't. Tell me I won't. Yeah, yeah. I wish that they didn't think that I was going to be able to do it all. But now where you've already achieved it now people think that it's going to be easier and stuff and it doesn't take away the difficulty um of what you're about to do mm -hmm. it just literally has an expectation right and i'm having this like revelation as i'm sitting here you know the reason i started bodybuilding was to distract myself mm -hmm. from a lot of negative things that were happening mm. so it didn't matter what happened at the show because all I cared about was that there was something that was getting me up every day. Mm -hmm. Something that I had to work at, you know, something I wasn't checking my phone, seeing what my newly broken up boyfriend, whatever you want to call it at the time, what he was doing. So it took me out of a, a negative spot in my life. But I think the huge difference was I was using it as therapy. Mm -hmm. And then the second time around, I was good. Mm -hmm. And people say the best bodybuilders are people going through heartbreak. Yep. Because, I mean, the appearance part that comes from it is like, haha, like, yep. you think you can leave me? Like, <laughs> look what I look like now. And it lasts like an entire week before you blow up like a balloon <laughs> again. But, yep. Um, Let's talk yeah. about that, actually. So, so I went through a, uh, a divorce as well. And uh, I remember like that that pain that I felt was very similar. Like it felt like I was dying. Like my body actually started reacting in a very weird way. I got stress hives all over my body and like literally huge welts thing. all over the place. And I've never experienced anything like that. I've never, and I've went through some stuff when I was younger that was pretty traumatic. And I was like, you know, I always thought that my life was bad in the beginning and then everything's gonna be great. And I had that vision for my life. I had it all set out. But anyway, the main thing that I wanna talk about was, do you think that it was effective for you to cope in that way because like sometimes i think that like we we use positive things in order in order to avoid how we're actually feeling sometimes whereas you know what obviously when you go drink and stuff it's obvious that it's bad but then i found that i was actually ignoring my problems and my feelings by working out and i wanted to see like if you felt like it was effective no that that worked or i was avoiding and then i accomplished this thing and then i still felt hurt at the end of the day Ooh, so I did both. It was very good for me, but then um, the other thing that makes a great bodybuilder is somebody who has body image issue issues. Mm. I mean, I have described it numerous times as an organized eating disorder. So take somebody who's already got body image issues and not to dog on rural areas, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about nutrition. Um, so I was trying to understand how to be healthy and bodybuilding isn't healthy so there was a lot of um a lot of work I had to do for probably three four years after bodybuilding to really see food differently and see it as 
nourishment. Like, I don't believe in the word diet. I think if you're properly nourishing your body, then there's you can't lose from there. Um, so that was the downfall because those few years afterwards, I mean, the other thing is when you're eating only certain foods that are super clean, your body's um, like cleanup process stops because it's not needed anymore. Mm. Then you add all the junk back in, and it's like your those receptors have to catch up. Mm-hmm. So I mean, my mood was all over the place. I was I went from being the smallest I'd ever been to the heaviest I'd ever been. Um, so that was difficult. The positive side of it. Have you guys ever been around legitimate like bodybuilders? Yeah, I mean a couple. I know uh, Michael Franson, and then like Leah Graham is our title yeah, rep. I've she did them, um, and then Linda Sibnick was a teacher of mm-hmm. mine. She was a my math teacher, and so I've, oh, I didn't know she was a teacher. Yeah, I know her from like the bodybuilding. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So she was she was my math teacher. Uh, so yeah, I've been okay. around them. I'll tell you a story about it if you want to hear about yeah. her. But yeah, so well, and, there's and just in in wrestling, you know, I saw some organized weight cutting processes and things that weren't necessarily super healthy and then fighting as well and Derek Eby we know Derek Eby who's trained a lot of bodybuilders and mm -hmm. stuff too so yeah we've been we've been around quite a few okay well the reason I was asking is like there's this stereotype that like roid rage and whatever Mm -hmm. my experience especially personally I became so docile like my mom probably disagree (laughs) because there were certain points I would get so agitated when my routine was thrown off Mm -hmm. but in general i just had this like deeper level of understanding about myself about people i mean i was going to anytime fitness indicator it's like one of three gyms down there i think it's their only like commercial gym really and i was there morning and night i probably spent three hours every day there and it's a small town, so it's not like the gym was packed. So there was a lot of me by myself, and bodybuilding's not a team sport. So mm-hmm. even if somebody was there with me, I, I'm doing my own thing. I'm following what my coach laid out for me. Um, it just was a lot of, like, deep diving, understanding certain parts of me. And also when you're moving your body in a way that's challenging consistently, suddenly the little things that bother you, internally are just like mm-hmm. it's like they're there but they don't have as much weight anymore yep so i feel like i was physically getting out these emotions that were eating me up um and I, actually i can't leave out the part where i had started going to that gym because that's where my ex went so i like oh my gosh <laughs> but then eventually it was cool because we made this like turn where uh, at first, I would see him there and, like, just wanted him to make sure that he saw me, like, mm-hmm. in my little workout outfit and, like, look what you passed up. And then it got to a point where it was, like, I don't want to say friends, but it's like, hey, how are you? Like, whatever quarrels were there. I mean, we were so young, too. Like, we started dating when I was, like, 17, maybe. Broke up right before my 21st birthday. So it was, like, it was a young relationship. But, um I think like that's a direct illustration of like the internal change I went through. Like I went mm-hmm. from so much turmoil and upset about what had happened at school and then this breakup and whatever. And then to be able to see my ex in the gym that I have now claimed as like my domain and then genuinely be like, Hey, how are you? How's your family? 
So, yeah. and it, that was only a time span of three months. Wow. So there was, yeah, a lot of positivity, but there were other things I had to work through. And that's why I don't do bodybuilding anymore because family, friends, quality time is more important yep. to me um, and not being so hung up on an eating regimen. It wasn't a diet. It was just very calculated macros and you eat this meal at this time, this one three hours later. It was like clockwork. Mm-hmm. So it was very isolating in a good way. I got to learn a lot about myself, but I was also closed off from everybody else. But at the time I needed that. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try Batch Leads today. Yep. So you, when you were doing uh, Surge Tech, it looked like you moved around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You went out to Boston yeah. and then also to Seattle, like completely different sides yeah. of the U.S. <laughs> um, and you spent some time at some different hospitals and that sort of thing. Yeah. What inspired you to travel and from what it looks like, it seems as though you still have that value for travel. Is that something that you want to do a lot more in your future? Um, Yes, of course. I mean, there's so much to learn just within the U.S. I mean, different pockets of our country, you experience diversity, different ways of thinking, different ways of living. Um, I've just always enjoyed being like a sponge and just taking everything in and being slow to judge and quick to like learn. Oh, I don't understand this. This is new to me, but like, tell me about it. so I actually, did you read the article that I'd written for yeah. Nashville Voyager? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had no idea where Boston was. I'm like from Adams County, Indiana. People only go to Florida for spring break. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until I was like almost to Boston. I had my car all packed up, driving over there. And I'm like, oh, shit, like, this is, like, on the coast. Like, I had no idea. So that just speaks to, like, how much I just dove in. Like, there's this job. It pays X amount. Cool, I'm going to go. Um, and I had a lot of people asking me, like, well, what are you running from? At the time, I was like, nothing. I just want to travel. I just want to experience other things, and I want to make more money. <laughs> That's all there was to it. Um, and so what you had asked about, with bodybuilding, you know, like, was I distracting myself from what I really needed to pay attention to? That's when it all caught up to me. Mm. I think that there was so much to process that it's taken sort of like peeling back layers. Mm-hmm. It took me being ready to listen to these internal cues and, and whatnot. Um, so while I was out there, I mean, oh, I love the Boston accent. I love the people out there. I mean, they're just, like, (sighs) gruff. I would say they love hard and they hate hard. And if they love you, like, you're set. Like, I still have people there that I could call at any point and be like, hey, you know, I'm in this predicament. Can you help me? And they would. 
Um, and the summer that I was there, it was 2020, that's when everything just hit me. Like, oh, this is what I'm running from. I had no idea. Mm. Um, just a lot of coming to terms with having major depression. Um, but something that I recognize now is just a part of me. It's never going to go away. I can do things to help it, but I can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I had been ignoring it. And so I actually got COVID while I was there. So I was quarantining in my bedroom. My roommates had left the house. And man, it was just that next degree of being alone where I could only hear my own thoughts. And it was like, you got to do something. Like, this isn't normal for you to be this down on yourself all the time. So soon after that, once I'd come to terms with that and found a doctor, I was like, I got to keep growing. I've experienced what there is to experience in Boston. I got to go somewhere else now. At the time, my family was like, maybe you should come back closer to Indiana because they knew that I needed support. I needed my family support system. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they were kind of like leery about that. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. I mean. It's like, yeah, that's where depressed people go. Yeah. To kill themselves. I think Seattle has like the highest. It's like one of the worst places to go as far as suicide. And like it it rains all the freaking time. And it's funny because the stereotype for Boston is like the, I'm walking in. Like, you know, somebody cuts you off. Like pedestrians are walking and then somebody drives by and they're like, hey. Yeah. Oh, it's no big deal for them to say, I'll kill you. <laughs> the first time I heard that, I was like, "Oh my god, it's like a death threat!" And they're like, "Ah, oh, it's just—it's just like a, hey, what are you doing? You know, why did you do that?" But it's—I'll kill you. Like everybody's okay. going to get, get a coffee, and then they're going down to the harbor to Duncan. move some, yeah, move some fish. <laughs> um, but so then you went to Seattle, which is very like—it's all like our mind, you know. It's all perspective. Oh, it's it. like very like liberal, like very uh, open. Very, What's really interesting about Washington State in general is you can actually fight there. You're like if you mm-hmm. get an argument with somebody, p- the police can watch you just take part I in a fist fight. It's like one of two places in the entire United States where you can actually openly agree to have a fist fight with another adult. Huh. Never knew that. Cool. Well, you can Fact. still do that. You just have to have gloves on and have <laughs> yeah. in a ring. Yeah. yeah. Cup and a mouthpiece and yeah. paramedics on standby. Yeah. yeah. As long as you have that, then you can still do it in Indiana. Well, you can you can expedite the process in Washington. Yeah. You don't have to put on the gloves and you'll hook no yourself gloves. on their freaking dome. Yeah. Um, I do oh want to. I want to say one other thing about the uh, like you, you talked about recovery and like uh, you know going through that process and like workout and stuff. What I found in my personal life, whenever I was working out, is like there's two different ways to look at it. Like I, I call it, and I heard a term basically like recover like an athlete. Um, so basically, like okay, I think you're gonna do something. Like you will cope. You'll find some way. Otherwise, you're like your body kind of goes crazy. So you're gonna do something. You're gonna get on drugs. You're gonna drink alcohol. You're gonna go have sex with a lot of people. Like you're gonna do something. Why not find the healthiest thing that you can do that's gonna benefit your life? So what I did is I worked out like crazy and I worked like crazy. I just mm-hmm. like went really hard into that. 
Now I'm still reaping the benefits that I got from both of those things. I was avoiding, I was using it as avoiding. There's no question about that. I was avoiding my problems, I was avoiding my emotions, I was avoiding everything, but it's still like, okay, how can I do this in the most productive, positive way that I'm gonna be happy that I did uh, later in life? So you could do that by learning, you could do that by, um, you know, like going to school, reading books, whatever you wanna do, like just engulf yourself in something like you said, grow in mm -hmm. some way and you will still feel better. You might be avoiding that, but maybe the growth in that area will help you in the others. Right. And that's what I think about is what's the healthiest way I can do this. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember when you're challenging yourself, the reward isn't having every little piece of your life figured out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's important to remember the small wins, you know, say there's five different things that you really want to combat. If you still combat one of them, that's still a win. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely was avoiding emotional, mental stuff that was going on, but I wasn't ready to face it. I had to go through these other things to make me strong enough Yep. so that when it did hit, it sucked. I'm not going to lie. It was the worst feeling I've ever had. I remember sitting on my bedroom floor just sobbing um mm -hmm. so it sucked but like had i not gone through the things i'd gone through leading up to that i don't know what that night would have looked like it would have looked completely different so yep. i yeah i mean it's just growing and learning about ourselves is an ever-evolving thing and if you learn one thing about yourself from one situation or whatever like that's that's a win yep. you'll have your whole life figured out but you figured this one thing out and now you can move on to the other things. Yep. That's so. actually something else that I learned too is very similar to what you talked about is like I had different areas of my life they were now spiking. The funny mm -hmm. thing is so this is like hopefully people can learn from my experience is that I thought that if my business and my health are high enough that it won't matter if my relationships and my spirituality are like kind of lower. I'm like, oh, the, these will all make me feel better. And like, as long as I'm like a 10 out of 10 over here, these can be a two over mm -hmm. here and it'll be okay. Well, I found out that that doesn't work. No. <laughs> um, I'd rather have, you know, my business and my health be at like an eight and everything else be at like, you know, a seven or an eight as well. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of like, you know, just doing really well in these two areas, then everything else is suffering. So that's, yeah. that's another thing that I did is I just push really hard on one side thinking that it was gonna make up for it and somehow make my relationships and everything work out and that was right. not the case it's like we're handed a certain amount of chips and if you put all the chips in one area then yeah the other areas are suffering so it's like this constant effort to like make sure every like the chips are spread evenly and your effort and attention and everything is even and that's the difficult part yeah. because we don't only have ourselves to worry about we've got family friends loved ones who require us to give them certain things you know so it's just all these different factors, but I think that's great. Like I just, that's why I love, I loved moving around because mm -hmm. it was like just a constant challenge. I love networking and people. It just, it's what drives me, keeps my fire going. So just learning how to adapt and be friends with people that I probably wouldn't have struck up a conversation with had I never left. and. It's just, it's another way of like rewarding myself. It's like, oh my gosh, like I never thought I'd be friends with this type of person. I have friends across the board, different age ranges, different backgrounds, different sexualities. Like, and I just, that's, that's a win for me because mm -hmm. then coming back to, you know, a small town area where 
diversity doesn't exist as much. It's like, wow, like, I have friends now that look different than me, think different than me, and we still connect. So, yeah. So you went out to Seattle, mm -hmm. and then you came back to, you're in Decatur now? I'm living in Fort Wayne. Okay, yeah. what, what brought you back? Um, so while I was living in Seattle, um, you know, you mentioned it's all about like your mind. It's kind of like the modern day hippies. Mm -hmm. That's the way the behavior is mm -hmm. there. And it just launched me into this, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like, is what I'm doing right now going to make me happy when I have my own family one day? You know, is this the job I want to retire from? And would I be happy at my retirement party saying I was a surgical tech for 40 years, whatever. Um, I started to hate working in surgery. Like, when I was out there, I've primarily worked in orthopedics. Um, and then was working in Boston, I was... Um, on their travel, or sorry, their trauma and then like donor teams. And then uh, when I was in Seattle, I worked on the neuro team. It's a long, long days of brain surgery. Um, and I started to feel like a bird trapped in a cage because you're in a room all day long. I mean, my shifts were 12 hours, but sometimes if I'm on call, then I'm stuck there and you know I'm there 15 hours and I just have such uh, like I said what like fuels my fire is interacting with people so am I if I'm seeing the same people every day and we're working on the same patient every day like yes this is rewarding but it's taking a toll on me like after that shift I was not going to the gym and that was the thing that I had learned about myself that made me feel good um, it's really hard to get like my nutrition under control because you get a quick break and you're down in some fried food because you're just hungry and you don't know when you're going to be able to eat again. Mm -hmm. So I remember like so many days where when there was like a lull in surgery and I'm just staring at the clock on the wall, like, mm. get me out of here. This is not what I want to be doing. Um, so then it sort of landed in my lap, uh, this opportunity to sell life insurance. I was like, oh, okay. I still get to help people, but in a different a different way. Um, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that. And my contract was over in Seattle. Um, I had been there for two years. I kept, like, re-upping contracts and stayed at University of Washington for the majority of my time there. Um, so I was like, I'm, this is it. I don't need to travel anymore. And I knew I was jumping into a new career that was 100% commission. So I'm like, I should probably have no rent <laughs> if possible um I just felt like it was time to come back home too like I'd sort of achieved what I needed to as far as learning about myself um being ready to take a a huge turn in my career path and I wanted you know the support of my family and friends and to be back in an area that felt natural to me so that's what brought me back so my, my girlfriend is actually in a, a similar situation. She's a respiratory therapist, and then she works at a nursing home. She works like a lot of 12-hour uh, days, and, uh, and then like she's on call, and so sometimes it's longer. But then like, uh, yeah, it's hard for her to work out and to yeah. like actually eat because she's like on call, so then she's always there. So sometimes she hasn't eaten all day, and it's like it's very similar. And I'm like, man, like you're sacrificing your health 
for mm -hmm. this and it's not really worth it when you look at like you know she gets paid well obviously but at the same time it's like it's not worth your health like to me almost no amount of money is worth your health right um so how did you make that decision to where like okay this no longer serves me this is not what i want to do i'm going to make a big shift because you just i mean you invested a lot of time into getting to this spot and then now you're just like all right i'm done how did explain to us the process that went through your head on that well i mean i think that time frame when I was 20, almost 21 years old and went through that breakup, you know, school was falling through, started bodybuilding, that lesson has always stuck with me. Like things can change and change is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. If something's not working and not serving you and you're not happy, change, make a change. The last thing I want is to be working a job where I'm clocking in and clocking out and I go home to my family and I'm grumpy and I don't want to play with my kids or I don't even want to take care of my own health. And that's the road I was going down. So I just, you know, it wasn't serving me. I was giving up my own physical health for these surgeries and they're big surgeries. So, mm -hmm. I mean, of course you want people who are in your brain mm -hmm. surgery to be giving their all. Mm -hmm. But I sort of felt like I had like paid my dues. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked on, I've worked for probably 10 years now in healthcare in the last like seven years in surgery. And it's just like, it was a little bit hard because it's like, this is me serving people, but that doesn't mean I can't serve them in other ways mm -hmm. and still be able to take care of myself. Um, and I think throughout um, living in Boston and Seattle and just, my mom's always called me a social butterfly. I was always like pestering her when I was growing up. Like, can I stay at so-and-so's house this weekend? She's like, you just stayed at someone's house last weekend. I'm like, yes, so that was last week. Mm -hmm. Like, I need constant interaction. I need to be around new faces. Um, so I really like honed in on that. Like, what is it about meeting new people that I like? Um, and I wanted a job that allowed me to do that, mm -hmm. to network with people. I mean, that just is fulfilling to me. So, did you attach your identity uh, to your healthcare then at all? Like, all right, hey, I'm a healthcare worker. This is how I help people. Like, did you have any sort of attachment to that where it's like felt like that part of you had to die at all? Because that's what I see a lot of people get into is like, especially in America, I feel like we are our jobs. Like, hey, what do you do? Who are you? Oh, I'm this. I'm a salesperson. I'm a, I'm a nurse. I'm, you know, and like we attach ourselves, our identity on who we are to our job. Right. Did you have any of that that you had to like kind of break away from? Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before. And honestly, we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. I think I had already broken away from it. Okay, before you left. Yeah, Okay. long before I left. I think that's why I was getting so like disgruntled, like I'm way too young to be somebody who's disgruntled at work. Mm -hmm. um, being away from my family, being thousands of miles away, just really emphasized what's important to me. Mm -hmm. Family, friends, the people I care about. And I don't want my job to be my identity. I want mm -hmm. it to be the thing that I do during the day that makes me feel proud to say that I do it. 
but I'm not my job. I have actually, it's funny that you bring that up because I've developed this thinking where it's like, I am not my job. Mm -hmm. I am Brianna. I am who I am in front of you. Let's talk about, you know, life stories and, you know, where have you been the last couple years? Like, what's new with you? How how are you? Mm -hmm. I don't want my job to define me. And I think that because I started thinking that way, it just made it even harder to work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like, to work in healthcare, you're almost like required to wear it as this badge of honor. I mean, what's that saying? Like, how do you know somebody's a nurse? Because I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want that. I, I want to be a much more interesting person than what I do for a job. Mm-hmm. I like so, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, we, I guess you're still living with your parents, and that was something that you were kind of beating yourself up about was coming back. Yeah. And that's something that I also had in common to at your age um i wasn't as independent as dakota was i needed a lot of help from my friends in order to get to where i am now and so i decided to send you some gary v stuff because gary's always talking about hey if you're 18 21 25 if you're 30 years old and you don't have you don't you think that you need to have your entire life figured out that's ludicrous right and also just that the biggest thing that he wants everybody to do at a young age is like go try different stuff like keep trying stuff until you find something that's actually worth giving mm-hmm. your time your dedication your life to exactly uh and then um he he talks about your family like your siblings your parents and that sort of thing and how they subconsciously society in general is subconsciously interested in you conforming um so i was I was thinking about that and I decided to send you a message mm-hmm. just about my life because like I got, uh, I had a child at 23, mm-hmm. I'm 31 now, but I lived with my dad until I was 25. We got in an argument. I went and lived with grandpa when I was 26 and then started uh, kind of like influencing my girlfriend at the time who was going to become my wife, my fiance, to get a duplex property. I moved into that property, so I still wasn't completely independent. And then when I was getting divorced because I I was not making any money as a realtor, I put a lot of that on a credit card. I was still trying things out and not willing to like suffer in the short term to pay all my bills. When I finally left uh, that relationship, luckily, our business had gotten to the point where we were bringing in enough leads. Dakota found a property on Facebook Marketplace and basically encouraged me like, hey, you should probably just figure out how to live on your own. Like you'll figure it out if you like just take the leap. So I didn't think that I could afford it financially. um, And I just barely kind of figured it out. Still put some money on some credit cards in the process. But that was huge for me to like finally kind of live by myself mm-hmm. too. So yeah. um, just know that like not everybody is super uh, like figuring things out, being mm-hmm. 100% independent. Like I needed a lot of help from my friends and my family and that sort of thing along the way. Yeah. And that, that was a lesson I had to learn at, so, at some point too is like, not only is it okay to ask for help or lean on people, but, like, you should. Mm-hmm. I mean, no human being, we're not designed to be alone and take everything on by ourselves. That's a recipe for burnout. Um, what do you call that? Um, disdain or, like, bitterness towards other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're supposed to lean on people. 
we also naturally don't want to do that. We want to say, I did this thing. I did it all by myself. Look at me. That's funny because that's the only thing that will ever hold you back to. So if you really think about what money is and what everything that you want is, it involves another human being. And I've actually told all of our team this. I've talked about it multiple times. It's literally impossible for you to be happy unless there's other people involved, which is interesting, though, because you want to be independent. You don't want to rely on other people. Form yourself in order to get other people to like you, either conform to them on making them happy, but at the same time, you do need other people. If you want to make more money, guess what? You need to interact with more people. You have to talk to more people. Um, You also uh, have to convince if you want to start a business, other people to work for you, help you build it, and then make sure they still align with them. And so that's what I really think true happiness is, is being yourself and being 100% yourself and then finding people who accept you as you are and who you are. And anybody that doesn't, I don't give a crap. It's like, all right, you're not my person. You don't fit with us. That's okay. And that doesn't make you a bad person. Right. That's that's completely fine. But at the same time, you do need other people. You have to have other people. And I said this to um, actually one of our interns yesterday. The, the biggest thing that's going to hold anybody back from reaching the level of success that they want to is their own ego. And that's mm-hmm. them wanting to do things themselves. That's them wanting to take the credit. You don't need credit. If you actually want to go do something huge, you don't need the credit for it. It just matters about what's actually getting done. It doesn't matter who gets the credit for it or like, you know, taking that. Anybody that wants to do it themselves probably won't even achieve the goal because if you really look at people and like look at the really assertive people who want to do everything, who want all the credit, they're usually not very far in their life. Right. Um, the other people that you really see who are successful with life insurance or whatever it is, usually are very good at like listening to people. They're very empathetic. They care. Mm-hmm. And they have like, in my opinion, a perfect balance that's always ebb and flowing, which I'm still working on finding of assertiveness and kindness. You have to have the right amount of both. Yeah. You can't just be so, you know, uh, kind that you're like, oh, yeah, whatever you want and like all that stuff. You still have to be like, hey, here's where I'm at. And here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I want. Here's what I need out of a relationship. Here's what I'm looking to do, whatever it is. And then letting the other person know that like, hey, this is where I'm at. Does this make sense for you? Does that sound fair? Does it make sense? And if it doesn't, that's okay for you as well. But then at least you're like letting them know and have the right balance of that. So Right. Polite assertiveness, I think, is the term that's been uh, Fred, who I'm working for now from one resource group. I'm, he told me, I'm pretty sure he used that phrase. He said that I'm politely assertive. Okay. So I've never heard good. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I very good. I like that. But also to your point, you know, if somebody wants to do something completely on their own. It's not to say they can't achieve it, but like how much more have, could they have achieved if they had a team with them? Mm-hmm. You know, they might make it this far, but if they had a team, they could have made it like this much further mm-hmm. or faster faster yeah yep i want to talk about life insurance we don't have a whole long time but i do want to hear about this life insurance so talk mm-hmm. to us about like uh your thoughts going full commission like how that works how it's going how long you've been into it stuff like that um so i got my license for life insurance in january passed the exam it works a lot like real estate okay. um, you buy the study material online take a big hard test and then you're given the license um but I wanted to do more. Uh, I wanted to do all of the investment pieces. I wanted to be able to have more in my arsenal to offer to the clients that I work with. Um, so working with one resource group, now I'm working towards um, studying for my SIC. I think that's the right, yeah, SIC securities. 
license. Um, so that will open the door to being able to handle like IRAs, um, just bigger investment pieces, uh, and still have life insurance there. Um, everything just goes back to my core, um, where my life has led me, you know, the way that I grew up. Money was always tight. I mean, my parents were high school sweethearts, got married, started having kids right away. I think my mom was 20. My Both of my parents are the same age. They were 21 when they got pregnant with my older brother, and so my mom was pregnant at their wedding. Um, and they both just didn't know themselves, and they ultimately led them to a divorce. And the thing they argued about the most was money. Hmm. And so it was this roadblock for them to even they couldn't even hear each other because they were so frustrated about this one thing so I'm enjoying learning about investing I mean this is I'm genuinely like learning about it and like oh this is intriguing um so just to be able to like bring attention to the different investment options for people like me or you know families who are structured the same way as the family that I grew up in. People just aren't aware. I mean, there's this huge misconception that you have to be wealthy to invest. It's like, no, investing makes you wealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got it backwards here. But there's a lot of, like, education that goes into it. So that's the fun piece. It's like, no, no. Like, and so, like, it's like delivering good news to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you're wrong, but it's good that you're wrong. Let me tell you why. Like, these actually are your options. And then just to, like, see that wave of relief, like, oh, my gosh, so I can send my kids to a good college when they graduate, and I don't have to find a loan for them then. Like, I can just have the funds ready. It's just exciting. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at with all of that. And I let you know also that there's the – the rich dad poor dad route so make yeah. sure that you read that book because dakota and i have focused on acquiring assets with no money whereas a lot of the wealth strategies that money managers employ is that like you need money in order to make money um and obviously we put a lot of money into our business so it's not like we put no money into it mm-hmm. but there's a way to acquire assets and then through real estate we've been able to use leverage to pull our money back out of the deals Mm -hmm. and so um acquiring things that have inherent value like brick and mortar and or stick built single family homes you know things that uh are good hedges to inflation that continually pay you residual income every month i've seen a lot of money managers make a lot of money uh, and enjoy like a really nice lifestyle. Right. And we talked about this before with Bobby Bull and we, we had him on from big city cars. He talks about the sales managers who'd make a stupid amount of money. And then you go to look at their financials and you'd be like, man, they're, they're enjoying a lot of things based on all of the hits on their credit. And their credit is not as good as I expected it to be. They're more maxed out than I thought. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you do start making the big bucks selling health insurance, make sure that you acquire, some property make sure you look look into you know buying businesses and that sort of thing yeah and it's just changing um my mindset i guess like looking at things as like this is a small piece now but how can it add into the big how can it make one big piece later on and it's just i no longer think about just a paycheck 
like this thing might not give me a bunch of money right now, but like down the road. So it's just keeping in mind that everything I'm doing is like small pieces that are going to be one big piece later on. I mean, even down to like Arbonne, like I'm a huge skincare junkie. I like the supplements that I take and it's a tax write off. So I'm essentially getting my skincare, makeup, the supplements I use, toothpaste, bath soap. It's essentially free, you know? Like, I'm paying for it up front, which kind of hurts sometimes because I'm not off the ground entirely with um, investment planning and all of that, but I know that it's going to pay off in the end. Mm-hmm. That's so. how we could do it, Dakota. You know, Dakota's always trying to figure out how he could get his supplements. We got to join New Skin that, you know, mm. Courtney was trying to get. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got to join Arbonne. Like if, what are you if, talking about? If you become uh, an affiliate for them and you start your own business where you're not making any money at it, but you're buying the products all That's the time, idea. it's like, well. No, I make commission off of it. Well, you know, know, we, would, we wouldn't oh. actively be. I mean, we might be. IRS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might be really trying, just not making any sales. Yeah. yeah. I think that is a good strategy. It's not necessarily free, though. Like, uh, you're just basically saving 30% or whatever tax bracket that you're in. Um, so right. Like, you know, majorly you're, discounted. Exactly. Free isn't the correct word. Yeah. But it's, I mean, that stuff's expensive. Yeah. I don't know if your girlfriend buys skincare and yes. stuff. Yeah, expensive, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's something uh, It's something that you're going to spend anyway. So that's why Rich Dad Poor Dad, the book that he talks about is like awesome too is because it explains exactly like what you said. Okay, like the way that most people are taxed is, okay, you got your income, then your taxes are taken out, then you have your money to go spend everything else. Mm-hmm. With what you're describing is you get your income, then you buy your stuff, then you're taxed on that amount instead of being taxed on the top dollar, you're taxed on the bottom after you already spent everything that you would spend. So you're saving so much more money there. That's what essentially you're talking about, which is huge. I mean, I don't think people realize the biggest expense that you have in life is taxes. Mm -hmm. It just straight up is. Everybody thinks it's their mortgage payment. No, it's taxes. You pay so much in taxes. If you can find a way around that, which Rich Dad Poor Dad will go over the stuff. So read that book. I Um, I need to get that. Yeah. Yes. Read that book. It's huge. Um, I want to talk about one other thing that you said that I think is very, very important. I think I I just want to reiterate it because you said something that was like really good. People think they have to have money in order to invest, and it's the exact opposite. You have to invest to get money. Mm -hmm. That is 100% accurate you don't necessarily have to have money in order to invest you need to invest to have money right. and everybody thinks the same thing whenever i give them this advice and i tell them hey it's mindset it's this it's that they're like well that's easy for you to say because you got there i'm like no you're getting it backwards mm-hmm. i got here because i thought like this exactly. i'm not i it's not like i got here and now i arrived at this thing it's like that's how you got there so that's right. I, I love that you said that. i just wanted to reiterate that and i really hope that people understand that because changing your mindset thinking about it the way that you've been thinking about it is not working obviously mm-hmm. because it's based Something's on the results change, that you're getting like yes said. so mm-hmm. change your thoughts change your thought pattern change your mind and listen to the people who've gotten there or seen results like um like i mean people like us like we've did it so mm-hmm. like listen and then I promise these people who are where you want to be at usually have some sort of way that they got there. And it's not just by coincidence or luck, which might have a small portion of it to do with it. But it is definitely for sure that you are more likely to get there if you listen to the advice that right. people are giving you. Well, I'm a big podcast listener. I, one of the, uh, the podcasts I listen to all the time is um, We Can Do Hard Things. Um, it's Glennon Doyle, her wife, and then her sister. And one of the things you were talking about is when you 
just say, oh, that person's lucky. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is saying you're taking away the work ethic. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, I don't want to say it's an insult, but it's not complimentary to say, oh, you're so lucky. Look at where you are. It's like, I'm actually not. I put in a lot of elbow grease. I worked my ass off to get to this place. This is not luck. It's anything but that. So, yeah. yeah. It's funny that when you're a bodybuilder, you know, people didn't look at you and say, wow, she got real lucky that she got that, you know, (laughs) People are asking if I took steroids because they couldn't believe, like, where I'd gotten myself to. Sure. And regardless of even how you got it, like, even if you did take steroids, it didn't just happen by accident. Right. There was obvious work, and, like, it's very obvious. It's interesting to me, though, that in business, people think that. If somebody's wealthy, like, I grew up extremely poor, and, like, we're pretty well off now. Like, like we're doing all right. So it's, they think that it's, like, based on luck when it's, like, it's the same exact thing as the bodybuilding. It's it's very obvious that it's about, if you followed me for any amount of time, it's based on work, based on strategy, based on maybe a little bit of luck. Like, there there's still some there. But I would have probably, I, th- I think I would have found a way no matter what. Like, yeah, we just, it just, we would have. Like, it's, like, for sure. Same thing, like, if I get sick or something like that, I'm going to find some way to, like, still work out. Like, there's not going to be a whole lot to stop me. Obviously, there are some circumstances that could put us under and could make you not work out. But I think it's just interesting that with physical, it's obvious. With money, for some reason, mm-hmm. people do think that it's luck. You inherited it, something like that. When, like, no, it's actually a skill that you can learn, develop, and, and like, you can do it, too. Like, everybody's listening. You can do it. But if you, if everybody understands they can do it, too, then it takes away that excuse Mm -hmm. that woe is me i grew up poor this is just the life i was given but if you're like no you can no no it's it's, accountability right yeah Mm -hmm. and so i mean just there's so much lack of awareness and i'm not going to get into my theories about why we're not taught (laughs) investing in k through 12th grade but i mean even down to so say somebody doesn't have a lump sum of money sitting somewhere life insurance is a great way to start you're Mm -hmm. putting away say i don't know 200 bucks a month and a whole life policy that's accumulating a certain amount of interest over time that's unlocking a cash value for you now you have money that you can make liquid Mm -hmm. just by putting away 200 bucks a month like everybody has things that they can do without i mean there just is. It's yeah. just a matter of putting in that effort and getting ahead of things. You know, say like a really cool way to use life insurance for kids is for college funds. I mean, parents are like, oh my God, one day I'm going to have to send my kids to college and like I want them to have a good education, but how am I going to pay for it? And it's like you get them a whole life policy when they're five years old, maybe the day they're born, as long as they're breathing and alive you can get them a life insurance policy and the younger you are the cheaper that premium is Mm -hmm. so you're paying a super cheap premium it's accumulating value for you up until they're 18 they can take that cash value use it for college or if they don't go to college put it into a startup put it on a down payment for a first home and they also get to keep that whole life policy for the rest of their life at a $30 premium or something stupid cheap. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, there's actually no excuse to be poor because there's all these options. It's just a matter of people being willing to reach out and say, I just need to learn. Just tell me what this is about. I mean, I've gotten gotten (laughs) rejected so many times because people are just like, 
embarrassed to talk about their finances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's intimidating or they're not wealthy enough. They don't want to be judged. Like, yeah, there's so many different reasons we create. Yeah. It's a a protective measure. Mm -hmm. It's like you got to you got to keep putting in all these little pieces for later on. So it's one big thing, you know. Number one so. thing, though, that I want people to get out of that is you can do it. Like, that's the main thing. It's like, you can do it. There's a way. Sacrifice the now for your future. I mean, that's the same thing. Like, there's so much stuff that correlates between business, money, and health. Sacrifice the now for later. So, like, that's all you have to do. Sacrifice $200. I know it sounds like a lot of money, but guess what? You will be better in the future. You will make more money in the future. So, like, if you can sacrifice $200, don't freaking go out to eat so often, which is where I spend most of my money. Um, (laughs) Like, just don't go out to eat a couple times. And then, like, everybody's like, oh, man, that makes your life horrible and stuff. Like, no, it's not that bad. It'll make your life way better in the future if you know that you have that. What really makes people's lives bad is whenever something, like, crazy comes up and then they don't have the money to pay for it. And then they're like, oh, gosh. you got to put out a GoFundMe or something. Yeah, that causes some stress. But, um, yeah, either way, reach out. We'll figure out how to help you. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And uh, something I was thinking of, uh, our friend Jimmy always says, luck equals uh, is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, So the more work that you're doing in the meantime, the more, like, stuff the more that you're working on your physical body your emotional body your mental body your spiritual body the more times you're going to end up getting lucky so if you want to call it luck you can call it luck yeah uh but that's just a different way of thinking about it also uh folks who are a little bit more woo woo, a little bit more spiritual they don't call anything a coincidence they call it a synchronicity it's just when everything kind of lines up and things happen for you like life happens that sort of goes along with the belief that life happens for you and so rather than something just being like oh it was right place right time it's like no it was like the universe catching up to you yeah you've been to a yoga retreat haven't you? <laughs> no i went to something called huna in hawaii oh makes sense okay <laughs> All right, yeah let's i like that this this is the final question. Final question. Brianna cheated. She already knows uh, what it is. She told you, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, my, I was gonna be honest. My dad was like, "Oh yeah, she <laughs> she watched one of the uh, podcasts just to make sure she was prepared." Oh my gosh! See when preparation meets opportunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is she got right lucky. Now. Yeah, she got lucky. <laughs> just come up with a different ending She's question. Like, um, just throw a wrench in it. Yeah. Well, I didn't put too much thought into it actually because I wanted to just be off the cuff. But it was helpful to like have the end question in my mind. All right. I don't even know what my answer would be. In the <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're uh, fast forward all the way to the end of your life. You're on your deathbed, and you have a final message to the world. This is Brianna's message, and uh, it could be a billboard, a paragraph, a sentence, a mantra. It is your unique uh, charge, what you think the world needs to hear, and it is everybody listens to it and goes, oh, yeah, that's Brianna. Oh, man, cheating didn't even do me any good. <laughs> um. It has to be like one phrase. Oh, no. Could, oh, I mean, okay. Just, what are your thoughts? The end of your life, what are your thoughts? What does the world need to hear? What's your message? Your um, one word. Brianna's, no, message. <laughs> Brianna's <laughs> unique message. Well, it's easier for me to answer this in a way where, like, I hope, you know, at my funeral, people are like, oh, she did this thing. Like, this was, if there's one way to describe Brianna, like, this is it. Um, and hopefully by that time, my own message has been delivered. Um, 
I think it's just important to realize that we are all here temporarily. Um, just use the bodies we're given, our spirits, our minds, everything to their fullest capacity. Like, let nothing go to waste and embrace relationships and just stop being afraid to go and do the things that you're kind of considering doing. What's going to harm you from doing it? You know, you're either going to like it or you're, you're not. And you're either going to fail or you're going to succeed. But failing or not liking something aren't necessarily bad. It just lets you know, okay, I'm not going to do that thing again. I'm going to continue on doing the things I actually like. Mm-hmm. So it's hopefully that's what's said at my funeral. And well, a lot of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> How can our listeners get a hold of you? They want to talk about yeah. finances. Um, wealth building. Well, my email, should I just say it or do you Yeah, yeah. Um, it's my first and last name. So Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, 37 at Gmail. Um, and then Instagram would be the other outlet. Uh, so that's Brianna with three N's. <laughs> somebody already had the other name gotta find them uh brianna with three n's and then my last name murray so um i do probably check instagram dms quicker than emails but doesn't mean i won't get to my emails and eventually i'll have uh an email with one resource group but that's down the road good deal anything else that you want to say to our viewers before we um not right now just thank you for having me on this is great Thanks for coming. coming. Yeah. Thank you guys for watching. Catch you on the next one. Peace.